0: Welcome to the Glasgow Girls Club podcast where we chat to inspirational folks throughout the city about living their best lives and encourage our listeners to grow and glow. Hi guys and welcome to the Glasgow Girls Club podcast. This week we're starting things slightly differently because we have our very first sponsor for the podcast. So this is great news because... I'm absolutely loving doing these podcasts but for those of you who maybe do your own podcast you'll understand that there are inherent costs with the running of a podcast from getting out and interviewing to the editing to the uploading and to the hosting and so I want to continue to bring these to you every week so having sponsors is going to enable me to do that which is fantastic. Our first sponsor is Sweet Rosie Jewelry which means the world to me because Sweet Rosie is a member of the GGC so the tie-in with the club and with the sponsorship is great. So you'll hear first a short advert about the brand and then we'll move swiftly on to our interview with Brenda Anderson who is the owner of Luxury Food and Drink Tour Company Tasting Scotland. Not only that but Brenda is also the World Food Travel Association Ambassador for Scotland so you can imagine that her knowledge of Scottish food and the Scottish foods is outstanding. Enjoy! This podcast is brought to you by one of my fave jewellery brands Sweet Rosie Jewellery. Owned by Rosalind Morrison who is also the exceptionally talented designer behind the brand. Rosalind is not only a Glasgow Cal but she's also a member of the GGC and so to have her as the first sponsor is totally amazing. If you check out SweetRosie.co.uk and at SweetRosie Jewellery on both Facebook and Insta, I can guarantee you will fall for the designer ranges showcased. And what's more, Rose's creations are affordable, so don't come with a crazy price tag. And if you have any sentimental jewellery that you'd like remodelled into something a bit more modern, and I'm sure that's the case for most, I'm sure we've all got some sentimental jewellery in our jewellery boxes, then that is another service offered by Sweet Rosie. My mum, grand-aunt, cousin and more have all had this done, so I know firsthand of the gorgeous transformations. Having made jewellery for over 20 years, her pieces have been seen on an array of celebs, including Gok Wan, Vern Cotton, Josie Gibson, Michelle Keegan and that is to name just a few. She was also recently asked by MTV USA, after a partnership with MTV UK, to create bespoke items to go in 25 VIPs goodie bags, including none other than the swoon face that is Bradley Cooper. Yes, Bradley Cooper will have something by Sweet Rosie Jewelry. So I can def, def, definitely recommend Sweet Rosie Jewelry and it's so worth checking out, sweetrosy.co.uk on the run up to Christmas, ladies. Hey, hello Brenda. Hello there. Thank you very much for joining us on the Glasgow Girls Club podcast. My pleasure. So we're here to talk to you all about food and Scottish food and the fact that you're the expert in it. So you are um, the World Food Travel Association Scottish ambassador that's right which is a really lovely accolade to have so you got that through being like a, well known as an expert in food in Scotland
1: yeah I mean I think that, that really is a, a it was an exciting thing to uh, to be told and uh, the World Food Travel Association is the world's leading advisor I guess on food travel and okay. of course uh, combining uh, travel with uh, food is something that's very dear to my heart and uh, yeah it was very exciting to become the Scottish Ambassador and really my uh, role is, uh, is all about helping to position Scotland in the world as a wonderful destination to come to for food and it's not necessarily the first choice that people think about when they come to Scotland you know very yes. often people think about beautiful scenery they might well have um sort of ancestors they might well have come from scotland themselves and they come here to visit them and they come here for the scenery and they come here for the castles and the kilts and the shortbread and everything else but other than the shortbread little do most people really know about scotland's food so um you know and it's not the same with drink i mean obviously whiskey is uh, is very well known but uh, food is is something else that we're we're working on at the yeah. moment. So um, through the World Food Travel Association, I really uh, have a have a a passionate drive to help raise awareness over of the of country that I live in, of my own country, and also do some work for the association, which um, is mainly research work and um, helps to tie in with getting a better understanding of of. Uh, what what foodies really want when they yep. go on holiday, and actually what your locals want as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you, you own Tasting Scotland, which is a premium food and drink tour in Scotland, and you really are, you do lead the way when it comes to when it comes to food and drink tours. So talk to us about your brand. Talk to us about how it started. Yeah, I mean, well,
1: it started in 2012. um, And yeah, I think Tasting Scotland, it really is the only tour operator in the country that fully focuses on culinary, foodie uh, tours. It was started in 2004 Mm -hmm. when I was on holiday in New York. And I went on a walking food tour of Manhattan, okay of the the meat packing district of New Manhattan. and I kind of thought about the the business at that point in time, but I was working in education. I was uh, working a college in Glasgow, and I was doing really well there and I really enjoyed teaching and it'd been sort of eight, nine years at that point I'd been involved in teaching and I was enjoying it and I was being promoted and uh, things were going well. And I kind of pushed the idea away. I looked at Glasgow, the the city that I now live in, although Aberdeenshire um, is my home. Aberdeen's my closest city to my hometown, which is famous now for Brewdog. It's Ellen, which is very famous for Brewdog, um, and the Brewdog Hotel, of course. Up there too now, or soon to be. And I pushed the idea away. And sometimes I think you push an idea away and you let that seed be. Mm -hmm. but somehow something sprouts from it and there's little you can do but to let that continue to sprout and at that time I was doing lots of foodie holidays I was in um, the usual sort of suspect places I was in um, Italy, France, Portugal, Spain so really kind of tapped into Europe okay and thought about maybe doing a food tour in Glasgow but realised at that time there wasn't really there wasn't really that much i wanted to focus on that yeah. I, that was that um, really that kind of unique or special in my eyes and then in 2009 i went to peru and i did a walking food uh walking tour of uh, machu picchu and a food tour for a week as well Brilliant. and in that trip i was taken across the country and i got a real insight into The differences between region to region. Mm -hmm. And that then started to open up my eyes to um, Scotland's regions as a whole and their very immediate differences based on climate, microclimate, topography, you know, the whole topography. And I started to get really, really interested in that. and at that point in time as well, there was a lot of feedback coming out, especially since sort of two thousand six, two thousand seven. I started really looking at the Visit Scotland, our National Tourism Office's feedback, and the feedback from that was that people were coming to Scotland and they were maybe not getting a particularly consistent product in terms of food. Sometimes it was great, sometimes it wasn't so great, it was very inconsistent, it was kinda of hit or miss and that people were leaving Scotland thinking the food was kind of bland and kind of international in style. Okay. And I felt that I felt it wasn't good enough, mm-hmm. and I felt that we could offer so much more, and we should be able to allow people coming to our country to experience the very best of our country. And so after the Peru trip, I recognised that this was not just a tour for Glasgow. This was a national-wide business that I could set up that would take my three... Particular loves, or four if we include whiskey. But my three core loves of food, people, and travel together. Brilliant. And that's how it kind of started. I was still working at the college. Um, by two thousand and twelve, um, I just decided that really the time was was now um, to start something new. And follow your dreams. Yeah, just follow my dreams, basically, and make something that. Um, that I was very passionate about becoming a reality. Yeah. So it's now six years
0: on, and um, yeah, it's been it's been a great great experience so far. Absolutely, and you, you touched briefly there on the regional elements of, you know, food in Scotland. So if you were to give us talk to us about the regions and what they're most famous for, what would you say? Well, I mean,
1: yeah, I mean that's it. Uh, you know, the regions are so uh, influenced by the land, and that really is, you know, the core of, of what food is. I mean, food is, you know, food, the seeds of, of food, tourism, in fact, as a whole are based in agriculture and yep. they're based in, in fishing in our country. Of course, we've got 16,500 kilometres worth of coastline when you include Which the is islands. Outstanding when you when you say it out loud, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, 16,500 kilometres of coastline in a country the size of Scotland, is phenomenal. Um, So the seas play a part, the land plays a part, the whole topography plays a part. And we've got some really, you know, wonderful um, elements coming together for likes of Tayside, where we have, um, and Perthshire as well, uh, fantastic berries, uh, fruits, soft fruits, raspberries, strawberries, uh, tea berries, blueberries, you name it. Um, and also up where I'm from, Aberdeenshire, also a a great um, berry influence there. I can remember as a child for many, many years picking strawberries for six weeks solid in the summer holidays. Um, The East Coast is much, much flatter. uh, Mm -hmm. The West Coast, much more mountainous. And the West Coast, certainly more famous for seafood Mm -hmm. in Scotland. The West Coast, all the way down from Dumfries and Galloway all the way up the top in fact right up into the islands even as well wonderful shellfish to be had langoustines you know super super fresh super sweet super plump um some of the best food in the world and these are you know products that are that are eaten in Scotland yes but very often exported out and um very much deemed as being premium quality, and that's what Scotland's food really is. It's yes. premium British. It yeah. really is premium British, and that's something that we're very proud of. And, um, you know, Aberdeenshire itself, Aberdeen Angus, you know, the home of the famous Aberdeen Angus breed, which yeah. is the most um, iconic breed that Scotland, I think, has produced, and um, famous across the world, Aberdeen Angus. Oh, absolutely. It's, it is. It's everywhere, America, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, it, it's, it's all around and, um, of course, it originated here in Scotland. And the the sort of Fife Coast, even the East Coast as well in terms of um, oily fish, so yep. herring in particular was once a very, very important uh, commodity for Scotland and a great export has a great export trade as well but um yeah oily fish and of course oily fish as well our salmon yeah our um, salmon and our trout from our big sort of salmon rivers the wild salmon although in great decline um that becomes uh, even more important for for the the fishing industry and of course we've got our fish farms here in scotland too particularly on the on the west coast yeah so there's there's so much to see in so many different parts of the country that really is all, all based on the land and the sea.
0: Yeah. That that's so at the core. authentic. And you do not only do you do one day tours, um I've had the pleasure of going on the, the, the West Coast seafood and more on a day tour, which was outstanding. I think the food kept coming and it was just like a fantastic tour. Um but you you do multi day tours as well, you do Really, you customize it to you know what a customers maybe flavors interests are, um. So that that's a really strong U S P. But obviously, at the forefront of your business is you and your expertise, um. Because you're you're quite involved with the food tourism strategy. Um, yeah, that's right. I mean, just a few Mondays back there,
1: um, we launched the food tourism Scotland strategy, which is the very first strategy of its kind in the country and I'm absolutely delighted um, and this was something I was so so keen to be part of and uh, was delighted to be asked and there was a, a group of of uh, about 16 of us I guess around the table um, really just trying to bash out a plan for how do we make Scotland the next big destination of choice for for deliberate food travellers mm-hmm. and also just for anyone who you know needs another reason to come to Scotland? Yeah. If they haven't already got enough, then do you need another reason for, to come to Scotland? And if if so, then have you thought about its food? About yeah. really placing um, some sort of prominence on, on food and about the enjoyment of food and the pursuit of unique experiences around food. And, yeah, since 2012, since the business has started, my whole ethos has been about getting people to taste the real true flavor the authentic flavors of Scotland because we are absolutely not about deep fried mars bars no you know, it's just and it you know to some extent although of course no 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 you know news is news and it really was it was the result of media picking up on you know a story um about a mars bar and you know i don't even like mentioning it because it just makes people think about it but the fact is, we are not... And I I, don't know any local who's ever eaten a deep-fried Mars bar. I've never eaten one myself. You know, yeah. It is something I get asked for on occasions through my tours because people have read about it. Yeah. But it's not something we locals do. No, it's um, it, at all. it just isn't. We, we wouldn't do that. I think I would like it too much. Yeah. yeah. We might <laughs> so get I addicted. <laughs> I know. But yeah, it's not something that we do. And, um, you know, I think, yes, okay, we've got a reputation as being, to some extent, the sick man of Europe. We've still got... Um, some work to be done there to help to re-educate yep. our own people that there are other options. And yep. that's something that the, the food tourism strategy will help. Mm-hmm. It'll start to open people's eyes up to what's on their doorstep about how very lucky we are to have what we have on our doorstep. It's just purely being um, what's available what, convenience-wise, yep. not about what's available at nature's own level. Yep. Um. So the food tourism strategy, I'm really, really excited about. The initial plan is there. The action plan needs to be built around it. The pure um strategy. The, the um the cornerstones of it are there. But the hard work now really starts to get underneath the skin of it, and let people get underneath the skin of Scotland's food.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And that's another part, obviously, of your your business. You um. Although you know you you're part of that board naturally, but You also do consultancy for for brands. So there's brands that will maybe come out of this strategy, new brands, new people come into the forefront, but you are able to consult for them and give them information on how to create a a food strategy, if you like, for their business. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of
1: diversification been happening in Scotland already. And I think, you know, the farming industry have had to diversify, they recognise that. Um, some have been able to, and and that's been wonderful. For others, it's been a really tough decision. And um, you know, both my grandfathers were in farming, and mm-hmm. um, so you know, farming. Um, I've got a, a kind of background in it of of a sort. Um, whilst I never lived on a farm myself, I do, um, I do feel feel very much at ease around them in in that area, around that environment, and I see potential for lots and lots of businesses to diversify. So yeah, I'm working. Um, currently actually working on a project which is is uh, helping a farm to diversify, to help them with their their strategy and their operational level, and getting everything into position to become a, a wonderful food destination in its own right. Um, it's on a walk path, so it's got wonderful footfall. There's plenty of activities for the children around, and these are all things that we can look at to help to really bring a place to life and make it attractive for others to visit because there's so many different things out there at the moment that are that are vying for our time. Yeah. But so much emphasis, I think, at this moment in time is also about thinking about family time and thinking about downtime because yeah. we live in such an instant world we live in such a fast-paced world and I'm, I'm fairly sure <laughs> as humans we were never designed to be able to cope with this kind of fast-paced world <laughs> which is why it is so so important that we do take the time out so yeah I'm working in the in the sort of consultancy side of things as well to help and if you know anything comes of that through the food strategy and I'm delighted
0: to help anyone that I can Brilliant, that's great. And you also do events, foodie events. You you would could be the expert, you know, talking people through tastings. and So they're, they're, Tasting Scotland is a very multifaceted business, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it is. And I think, you know, originally when it first kind of started, it was very much based on, gosh, what can Brenda Anderson do? What can she do to um, help raise the profile of Scotland? And, yeah... Feel, you know live a life where I feel like I've never actually worked a day of it i.e. I've enjoyed every single minute of it and I really Which have enjoyed is a dream, isn't it, it absolutely is the dream and um, you know I'm I'm, uh, I'm under no illusion doing what I do I I'm very very lucky and um, yeah you know the event side of the business came about when I recognized that Not everybody has a full day to spend on a tour with Mm -hmm. me. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned yourself, yes, I do do multi-day tours. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything's customisable and it rolls into as well the event side and really my sort of educational side. And being in education and teaching food and gastronomy and drink-related subjects and uh, professional cookery subjects for 20 years means that um, I've built up quite a knowledge base and sometimes it's just nice to take some of that knowledge and give a little bit of a different sort of dinner event for example where businesses might come along um, they're not looking for a normal three-course dinner they're looking for a little bit of entertainment they're looking for You know, something a little bit special, something a bit different, where they get under the skin of a country. And it's actually been working really, really well for um, international visitors who are coming through conference groups. Okay, And, um, you know, they're looking for just something different if they're away, maybe over here for a week or something on a
0: trip. Uh, So that's been going really well. Well, something that you say, Aim, which really resonates and which really stuck with me since I've heard you say it was to really understand or get under the skin of a country, you need to know about its food and its food history. Yeah. And I think that that's a really, really true fact because you've got some amazing facts. About food in Scotland and and historical facts. So, what would be if you could share a fact with us today? Yeah. Um, from your your vast, uh, vault of facts, what yeah. would be your your favourite fact on Scottish
1: food? Oh well, gosh, I tell you, it's really difficult to nail it down into one because there's so many amazing things, and I think that's um, that's also uh, one of the things I joy enjoy most about my tours and my events is seeing the. Uh, the sort of eye openers for some of these things. Cause at the core there really are people based. Yeah. A lot of a lot of what I do is introducing others to the the people and culture of Scotland. Yes. Which of course comes about through history and heritage and you are what you eat. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no there's no um, surprise that you are what you eat. But I guess um I guess I I I love the fact that you know, Scots themselves have always been great inventors. Yeah. Um we've got we've got a great um heritage of of inventing wonderful things for the world and even down at the, the very basics of being able to feed yourself, you know, and it's not it was not unusual for those out on forays maybe fighting battles for our own country, to take their shield and uh, flatten it out take some oat cakes, uh, or take some of the oat cakes they would have carried in their little pouch, go down to the stream, mix the oats with the water from the stream and create essentially what is an oat cake, The Scot- which is Scotland's bread, of course, because we didn't really grow wheat originally because we're too wet and too cold. So mm-hmm. oats and barley are our main cereals of choice and continue to be, you know, very yeah. important to us, barley for the whiskey making. And oats, there's a huge, big... Um, resurrection of oat eating, which has been fantastic, but the or resurgence of oat eating, which is fantastic. But uh, I love the fact that you know, people would have gone out there and taken their shield and made it into a cooking utensil as they camped down for the it's so night. It's clever, isn't it? When you think, yeah, you absolutely. It. And it's so basic, you know, it's yeah. so basic. It's just it was a needs must. We need something because obviously, eating oats cold with cold water from a stream is not nearly as pleasant as no. eating a warm. Um, freshly baked oat cake and I know myself you know my grandmother um, my maternal grandmother she was uh, a wonderful cook and baker and uh, you know I was very much brought up in plain Scots cooking both my mum and my, my grandparents and uh, you know she would make her own oat cakes lovely and she would use the the the, the flat um, girdle on the stove and she would always make oat cakes for my my father and I used to love the smell walking into her house because yeah. there was always a lovely pan of soup on the stove or there was always, you know, oat cakes getting made or or the sort of Aberdeenshire um, croissant come bread roll combination, uh, the buttery or the rye as oh, it's also I'm known nice. as. nice.
0: I want to try one of them. They they look amazing. Yeah, they're great. And
1: of course I was kind of brought up with them my granny would make her own. So I really, I really love that kind of foodie thing. Um, I love the kind of, uh, the way that children also bring a little bit of humor to Scotland's own iconic breeds like the mm-hmm. bellow, the, the the belted galloway cow um is known as the Oreo cow because it's black and white. Um, I love the fact that Mike Myers, the the Canadian comedian, thinks all Scottish food is based in a dare <laughs> And I always say that uh, I dare him to come over to Scotland and um, I'll show him the true authentic Scotland. And oh God! We'll see, we'll absolutely, see. I know, and you can appreciate why he says that. Oh no, I of, can of course.
0: Black like, pudding and haggis. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's it. But I always say to everybody who comes on tour with me that you know nobody gets out of Scotland uh, without trying haggis that I've got a hotline to every single airport in the country <laughs> and nobody gets out. Stop um, those people. Yeah, but it's it's really interesting because actually people who do try haggis then say, oh my gosh, it's lovely. It's like, yeah, it is. Yeah. It really is. And um, yeah, it's kind of mind over matter. And I think, uh, you know, it's it's very iconic to Scotland, of course. So so I like that. But more, more often than not, I like the, the whole conviviality side of food. Yeah. That's the whole bringing of people together together. My um, loves are food, people, and travel. My background is is hospitality. When I first um, left school, I went to to college, and hospitality and professional cookery was the subject that is that I studied. And I love the art of conviviality. I love the I love the way that uh, food brings conviviality. It brings people together. Yeah, and it certainly relaxes as well. I think you know people are more likely to relax around a nice even a nice cup of coffee, even a nice. Um, you know, a nice bite to eat it doesn't need to be anything special. It can be, you know, sometimes the simplest things in the world, you know, a bowl of soup or whatever. And I really love there's like there's a the author and artist Samuel V. Chamberlain, American, has said that um, the gentle art of gastronomy is a friendly one. It hurdles the barrier, makes friends among civilized people and warms the heart. Yeah, and that something. really is um, that really sums it up for me. Uh, the art of gastronomy about bringing people together
0: yeah lovely and that's all that's what your tours are all about and that's exactly what they do so do you find then Brenda that you have more international people on your tours than national I do
1: I do actually that's a strange thing it just goes to show you know when you start a business uh, my kind of thinking was it was about bringing Lots of locals and nationals out on day trips, or yep. or even you know long weekends, or something different for you know the curious travellers amongst us who are looking for for something different, or or you know for for hen parties, stag do's, yes. something of that nature even. Um, but actually, the reality is until this point in time, the the most interest has come from the diaspora market, very much those who have a connection with Scotland through friends or family or international vis- or, or international visitors, or those who are just genuinely interested in making Scotland their next trip. So, yeah, yeah it's very much been an international base. Um, but I'm, I, I'd like to think that there's, there's lots of scope for development on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, because it's like we were saying earlier on, sometimes... You, you take a, a place that you stay for granted. Yeah. So I remember I went to New Zealand and my dad's friend lives in New Zealand with his wife. And by the time that myself and Lee had finished, we were only there for two weeks, which wasn't long enough for New Zealand. Um, he was like, oh my God, you've done, so I've been living here for 40 years and you've done probably treble the things that I've done. And it is just so true. It's yeah. trying to educate people in their country don't overlook your own country in favour of something else because there's so much. You don't want to live somewhere all your life and have never really experienced it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, I mean, it is a funny thing because um, uh, I
1: noticed that, and I think, you know, people really do want to have, you know, the most amount. Of experiences in often the shortest amount of time, and Scotland definitely looks like a tiny little country on the map. So I've often had uh, inquiries from people who are looking for a tour that basically takes in everything. Takes in everything <laughs> that would actually take you a month yeah. if you really wanted to make it work. Because yeah, you know, we've got to understand that we've got lots of mountains and we have to kind of go around them. We can't go <laughs> through them all. I know. Um, so and also the islands as well. If you want to get the best and go out to the islands. But I do think, yeah, when you know you're in a destination, you do want to see as much as you can because you kind of, to some extent, maybe think that's the only time you're going to be there. The world is such a big place, so you want to to do as much as you can. And yeah, that's how I want to do it too. But I also like to get the balance. And I think that for me, the Peru trip helped me to get an understanding of how important as a tour operator which is a, an area I don't have a background in. Yeah. You know, my background was in food and beverage and uh, hospitality and working in five-star hotels yeah. and education and teaching about the subject for the next generations to come. But I learned through that trip, which was a pretty intense seven-day trip, that actually, whilst you will always eat three times a day, mm-hmm. it doesn't always need to be completely arranged and I do in all my tours allow that freedom. Yeah. Whilst providing sort of suggestions on where you might want Mm -hmm. to eat and help with arranging reservations where I would suggest you get a reservation or we get you a reservation that there's some free time or some downtime. Because you can't actually reflect on it and take it all in if you don't have a bit of downtime. Yeah,
0: totally agree.
1: So yeah, I kind of try and go for a, an itinerary which is sort of two-thirds of the day loaded with experiences and activities and authenticities that you yep. won't normally get if you don't
0: kind of reach out and look for something a bit different. Yep. Now, you you put together a tour for a very high-up lady from the States, So maybe not mention who, who... Uh-huh. Um, recently and it was an absolutely incredible incredible tour can you give us just a wee insight and and what that tour included just to give the listeners a wee idea about the types of tours that you can put together obviously this is at the big the top scale yeah but what what kind of things did this lady with her family enjoy yeah I mean you know I do get some wonderful inquiries um from
1: from many many people um and this was a an experience which was based on an active food tour so you know some people and I fully understand some people don't just want to go on a food tour Mm -hmm. whether it's a half day or a day or you know the the longest one I've ever done for a a couple was 16 days some people have got a week and they want to kind of feel I guess that they have worked hard enough to enjoy all the, oh, the wonderful food yes. and drink experiences, and uh, this was an active foodie holiday, and that really was about pulling together some of the best people in the industry, and we we had them in different locations, doing kayaking out in the, the west with the West Highlands, um, a wonderful wild walk, um, and sky, and also doing some. Cycling in the Cairngorms when of course, which is only one of two um, of Scotland's national parks. Yep. Um, so it was a pretty special trip because there was this active element combined with the food element, combined with the whiskey element and beer and gin, um, high end dining, crab shack dining. Yeah. Everything from five star properties to beautiful. You know very local guest houses, so it was a really broad reaching multi faceted yep. multi sensory experience and that you know food is at the core whiskey's at the core gin beer and then anything else around it is built in yep. so the active foodie yep. the gluten free food yep. tour something working at the moment yeah the um The retreat, yeah, something for vegans, of course. The retreat side of it as well, where food and drink is at the centre of it, and it really is some downtime. It could be, you know, practising yoga, Pilates, um, that kind of thing, where you're you're really taking people off to kind of maybe one location and having that downtime, but really making the food very, very integral to it so the destination then imparts... The type of food that you'll be eating—it's yep. very local, very not na- very natural. Um, so lots of different, lots of different options for food tours. They don't all need to be purely food. The history, the heritage. There's lots of lots of ways we can present the tour for you. It's all every tour is customisable. Oh,
0: of course, of course, um, and obviously with it being customisable, it's quite as good for corporate as well. If they wanted to have staff away days, I mean, they're literally the the options are endless. for... Yeah for customers to come to you. Um, so, do you have a favourite region of Scotland then? Oh my gosh, that is that is the toughest question.
1: Um, every kind of region of Scotland's got a very special meaning for me. It's the food, the suppliers that I work, that work within that region, many of whom I've got wonderful relationships with, you must do, people yeah. who have... Um, people have come to me and want to do something with me, people who have gone to them and asked them to consider this as a diversification. Um, the product itself, the story behind that region. But I suppose the west coast of Scotland for me is is Scotland in a nutshell. Okay. The beauty of it, the ruggedness, um, the seafood, you know there's some whiskey there too. Um, it really has just something very, very special. It's almost like that mystical, magical sort of feeling around the, the the Glencoe and then out, yeah, and out out the coastline up to Wester Ross. Those sort of really small, almost. Whilst it's quite a beaten track that west coast, there are lots and lots of pockets of off the beaten track, yeah, which I love to tap into and show people. So. I'd probably see the west coast of Scotland, but then there's the islands.
0: No, it's so hard. A, <laughs> yeah, and then there's a, every like you see everywhere's got its its highlights and it's um, yeah. so it's very hard to pick. What about Glasgow? So obviously we're bringing it back to Glasgow. Yeah. Uh, do you have any kind of top eateries that you would recommend or well, you love?
1: Yeah. I mean Glasgow in itself. You know, Glasgow's just um, Glasgow's just such a wonderful city. It's a vibrant city, and I know that for international visitors Glasgow's not always on their list and yeah. you know it's such a shame because yes I understand fully of course Edinburgh is a wonderful city yep. and a lot of my business goes to Edinburgh and from Edinburgh because of the main international uh, stopping stopovers there but Glasgow itself has got a wonderful food thing going on it's certainly it's got a real vibrancy around its street food yes. side of things. It's very, very creative. I think Glasgow's very creative. Um there's no Michelin starring restaurants in Glasgow still. But do you know what? That's okay. Um, yeah. Glasgow's got almost like a, a more kind of edgy. Yeah, it's more it's it's edgier, I think it is, and it's it, it's certainly more vibrant, I think. Um I like both cities, really. I do major cities and as well as uh, up north in Aberdeen, which is also coming really on scale as well, I think. But Glasgow's got something special. I love anything by Nico at the yeah. moment, Chef Nico. Yep. He's doing some amazing uh, food and doing it at very affordable prices. The trust concept by Nico at the moment is wonderful. Fantastic. Um, because that's very much about letting the, you know, trusting the chef, and it's based on a Japanese philosophy, and that's kind of similar to what I do. It's very much yeah. about trusting me to find these places for you. Mm-hmm. People in the travel and, and tourism industry turn to me say, "I have absolutely no idea of what you what you do, what you do, or how you manage to do what you do, <laughs> because you know it isn't just as simple as going to a whiskey distillery and having a tour, which are available every twenty minutes yeah. every single day of the week. Yeah, which which is which is by far." yeah a much more simple route you know I can literally be phoning the farmer who who is in the middle of the field I can be speaking (laughs) to the fisherman who's out on his fishing boat to ask if they can do something for me for a client or to you know deliver something that we've already agreed is available through them on a set day yeah um so there is there is lots of well, it just doesn't. It,
0: it never becomes boring. That's what I'll yeah, say. Well, it, it never yeah. becomes boring. It's really exciting. And the great news is, is that Tasting Scotland are a partner of the Glasgow Girls Club private members website. So, what can um, our private members what can they expect uh, to have from Tasting Scotland? We'll we be doing events. What, what's what's in the pipeline? Yeah, well, obviously, it's it's a real privilege to be um,
1: to be linked in with Glasgow girls club because (laughs) it's um you know it's a great it's a great brand and it really is about about really showcasing glasgow and really helping to put glasgow on the map because like i said it's not always the first destination of choice yeah but it's such an amazing city and i think for the private members this is about um giving them something a wee bit different giving them a day out yeah um you know for the locals to get really under the skin of the place that they live in for those who are maybe going to make a trip across, be it from Edinburgh, come down from Aberdeen, come yeah. across from the islands to have a little day trip out. We'll do a different events. We can do a, a Glasgow Glasgow food tour. We yes. can do a um you know a special tasting event in a in a location that we'll choose and um, perhaps another partner location. If we can keep it within Glasgow Girls Club, I'd most certainly be loving to do that. Um brilliant. We could we could do a wild walk and look at you know, the nature's bounty, sort of foraging idea, just really about bringing people together. Oh, that sounds brilliant. Jen! I'm sure, will be in
0: amongst there somewhere. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah, yes, <I'm> please.
1: Sure.
0: <laughs> Everybody looks like, so on trend at the moment, isn't yes. it? And that's another thing you probably keep on, have to keep on top of, all the
1: trends. All the trends, that's right. There was a thought for a moment there that um, the next big drinks trend was going to be vermouth. Of course, so kind of pork, sherry, okay. and that kind of thing, which of course would have been wonderful with the whiskey industry because at the moment, um, or has been the case for a little while, there's a real shortage of sherry barrels, yes. which makes it very difficult to mature traditional sort of styled whiskey. Although, obviously, the whiskey industry has diversified itself into many other areas um, in terms of the finishing wood. But the thought was maybe we've removed, but now I think the, the next thinking is rum. So rum. rum, yeah, perhaps rum. Okay, so, and, a, and are
0: there rum, Scottish rum brands? There is a
1: rum, yes. There is there is one at least one rum that I know of, um, in the Perthshire area.
0: Interesting. So yeah,
1: maybe rum is going to be the next big thing. So we'll be doing so rum tasting. So we'll be next. doing some rum tastes, so well, that'll be great. Yeah, and of course rum itself, you know, the kind of based on uh, sugar distillation. Uh, of sugar and of course Glasgow or Greenock not too far away has got an amazing story of sugar okay and, um, it being the the port where the sugar from the West Indies etc would come in from so it's a really fascinating tie-in for Glasgow oh,
0: Brilliant, okay, so there you go, another, another fact from you there. Another Brenda. exclusive. <laughs> no,
1: that's I watched amazing. the rum industry just bomb now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all, you put your finger on the pulse, so I'm sure that'll be the next big thing, although I tend to try and stay away from rum because it's so calorific, isn't it, because it's so sugary. So yeah, I'll maybe just stick with the gin. Stick yeah. with the gin, stick huh? Stick with the gin, yeah, and the slimline. <laughs> slimline tonics. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Well, Brenda, it's been fascinating speaking with you. Thank you so much for chatting to us on the Glasgow Girls Club podcast and sharing your your wealth of information and talking to us about taste in Scotland. Thank you, Laura. Always a pleasure, always a privilege. Oh, thank you. Likewise, likewise. Thank you, Brenda.